0: This week on Myths and Legends, we're wrapping up our most recent Monkey King episodes with some contradictions. An apologetic dragon, a murderous monk, and an ogre who loves tea parties with his friends. The creature this week is a house-sized bundle of rage and pointy things, who was taken down by a gopher. This is Myths and Legends, episode 193B. Pilgrim's Progress. This is a podcast where I tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Previously on the podcast, Zhuanzhong was a blameless monk, and he was sent on a quest to retrieve the Buddhist scriptures from the Thunderclap Temple in the West, in India, to save the world. To help him on his journey, the heavens freed Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, after 500 years of imprisonment to be his attendant and servant, aiding him on this dangerous journey. No more than three days after meeting up with Sun Wukong, the pair split up, when the Monkey King killed six bandits on the road, an action that the Buddhist monk, Xuanzang had a problem with. So, Sun Wukong left him, alone on the road to the west. he's all like, don't be violent, come on, that's my thing, Samu Wukong said, as he sipped tea in the palace of the dragon king of the eastern sea, it was hundreds of miles away, so of course, he made it in like three jumps, yeah, and he's a monk, Nonviolence is kind of their thing, the dragon king said, clearly not amused, yeah, like, come on, we were being robbed, what did he expect me to do, What you said you'd do, be different, the Dragon King said, before taking another sip and letting that comment marinate a bit. The monkey didn't have a response to that. Do you know the story behind this painting? The Dragon King asked, pointing to the painting that graced his throne room. No, and how do you have a painting underwater? The Monkey King asked, but the Dragon King ignored it. The painting was a man sitting on a bridge, and the story was a simple one. The man sitting on the bridge lost his shoe in the river as he sat. He asked a traveler walking by to get it for him, and he did. The man dropped his shoe a second time, a third time, three times the traveler picked up the shoe. As it turned out, the man on the bridge was an immortal, one of the denizens of the heavens. He gave the traveler a celestial manual. He became enlightened, on his way to obtaining immortality. So, the takeaway here is, be a doormat doing whatever anyone asks, and maybe they might be a celestial who can give you superpowers, the monkey said, taking a victory sip. No, you need to learn how to take instruction, to be more than you are, the dragon king said. Look, he wasn't going to argue with the monkey king. He liked the monkey king, the guy was fun to hang out with. The Monkey King didn't make a promise to him, but the Monkey King did make a promise. To be different, not to be perfect, but to learn. What did he do? He left the moment it got difficult. The first time the monk offered the slightest criticism. How did Monkey expect to change if he never changed? There was a long silence after that. Then, Monkey sighed. He appreciated the tea. He should go. The Dragon King smiled. He was hoping the Monkey King would say that. "Eh, Nice suit, by the way. The Monkey King took off, splashing from the sea, and then immediately pumping the brakes in the cloud he was riding, lest he slam right into the golden form of the Bodhisattva, the one who had freed him, the one to whom he had made a promise. I was going back, the Monkey King said. The Bodhisattva nodded. She knew. She was just here to encourage him to go, before he changed his mind again. If I say I'm going back, I'm going back. I'm not going to change my mind, the monkey king said, annoyed that he couldn't slam his foot down on a cloud. I mean, now you won't change your mind, the buddy sat for replied. And with a smirk, she disappeared. The monkey king continued his journey back to Zhuansong, Song, who he found sitting by the road. You're back, Zhuansong Song said. I thought you left. I did, replied the Monkey King. He said he just went for tea in the Eastern Sea. You know, I'm not like you. I can't just jump to the Eastern Sea. I'm relying on you. The world is relying on you. And you left. I can't even get food, Xuanzang said, rising. Either you're in this or you're not. But I can't go each day wondering if I'm going to be waylaid by bandits and you're just going to decide to jump somewhere. Monkey King said uh, he was in this. He promised. And did the monk want some food? He could get food. Zhuanzang shook his head. He had dried food in his bag. Don't worry about it. Here, I'll get it for you, master, Sun Wukong said, grabbing the bag and fishing through it. Oh, oh, hey, what's this? He said, grabbing a hat and coat. Zhuanzang shrugged. It was a hat and coat. It was from his service with the emperor. Like it? Sun Wukong held it up. "'Wow, yeah. This is nice. The emperor gave you this?' Song said he had been pretty high up in the government. The clothes were special, too. If you wore the hat, you could know the scriptures without ever having learned them. You wear the coat, and you know the rituals without ever having practiced them. He didn't need them anymore. And besides, these clothes were just too showy. They weren't his style. Huh. "'Well, they're my style. Mind if I wear them?' Sun Kong said, holding the clothes up to himself." "'If they fit you, you can wear them,' Zhuanzong replied. "'They fit me!' the Monkey King yelled. "'Then you can wear them,' Zhuanzong was obviously getting tired of this conversation, one that started with the Monkey King begging for forgiveness and ending with him getting a new hat and coat. The Monkey King put on the clothes, and Zhuanzong glanced over. Oh, one more thing!' Sun Wukong didn't understand the words that the monk was saying but he was well aware of their effects. Before he could react, the metal framework of the hat grew and slithered down his head, finding him just behind the ear and burrowing deep inside. Sun Wukong screamed and pulled at the hat, but it was too late. It had taken root in his skull. Xuanzong stopped talking. What have you done? Wukong screamed. Xuanzong said that he hadn't been untruthful, He had earned the clothes in the service of the emperor, but he had gotten them this morning when he chanced upon a strange old woman in the road who, surprise, was the Bodhisattva that had been helping them. She gave him these and taught him the Tightening Sutra to control the Monkey King. Yeah, well, control this, Sun Wukong said, pulling the staff from behind his ear and willing it to grow to crush Xuanzong. He was fast, but all Xuanzong had to utter was a word. His staff dented the ground, and Sun Wukong collapsed, writhing in pain, panting and shaking when Xuanzong stopped. Sun Wukong said he was sorry he would listen, please. Then go be a good pilgrim? Sun Wukong screamed, yes, now please, stop pushing metal rods into my brain. The metal relaxed, but the hat stayed on. Sun Wukong said he would behave, just don't use that for fun. He was an immortal who spent 500 years under a mountain and that was the worst torture he had ever endured. Zhuanzang said he wouldn't use it at all if Wukong stuck around and helped on his journey. Wukong nodded. He could do that. He would do that. And Zhuanzang didn't have to use it. Not for the months that they trucked across the countryside as late summer gave way to a cool autumn and then the frigid desolation of winter. It was one morning when the Monk and the Monkey King came up to a freezing yet still flowing river. That Sun Wukong gasped. Xuanzang almost got whiplash when Monkey, who after his new headgear was relegated to walking alongside the Monk, not riding the horse together, gripped his master and jumped for a nearby cliff. Xuanzang would have demanded to know what was going on, but he saw the reason when the dragon that shot from the river ate his horse. Again? Zhuanzang shouted as he watched the dragon slurping down a leg before crawling back into the river. Zhuanzang watched the fight between the monkey king and the dragon of the river. From the cliff, he watched the two exchange some brief words before the monkey king beat the dragon bloody with his staff. And the creature, that started off the size of an animal that could eat a horse with one bite, transformed into a snake that slithered into a nearby hole. The monkey king beat the ground a bit before flying back up to Zhuanzong. He said the dragon got away, and he wasn't up on the physics of transmogrification, but if he was a betting monkey, which he was, he couldn't see them getting that horse back. You don't need the horse, the pair heard, and both the monkey king and the monk spun around. It was a glowing form floating in the air. The Bodhisattva. You, the monkey king growled, plucking a few hairs and readying his staff. The Bodhisattva uttered a few words, and Monkey dropped both, gripping his hat and screaming. Over Wukong's screams, the Bodhisattva repeated that they didn't need the horse. A mortal horse couldn't take them over a thousand rivers and two thousand mountains to get to the Thunderclap Temple. That's why she ordered the dragon to be here. Yeah, the, the dragon ate our horse, Xuanzong replied. And the Bodhisattva paused. Hmm... "'That shouldn't have happened. "'Hold up. "'Dragon!' she yelled below. "'You eat these guys' horse?' "'The battered snake came out of the hole, "'and growing 300 sizes that day, "'he met the true on the cliff, Wu Kong still writhing. "'He said, yeah, he was a dragon. "'He had to eat and... "'Wait, was this the guy?' "'The Bodhisattva pursed her lips and nodded. "'The dragon's eyes grew wide. "'Wow!' He told his new master he was so sorry. Zhuangzong nodded. It was cool. That wasn't the first time the horse had died. Wait, what? The Bodhisattva explained. This dragon had been slated for execution, for setting fire to a pearl in his father's house. She helped him beat the charges when he promised to aid the scripture pilgrim on his journey west. But fighting with them wasn't part of the deal. The dragon threw up his claws. He didn't mean to. The monkey king just attacked. What was he supposed to do? the Bodhisattva stopped the monkey's torment. When he could answer questions, the Bodhisattva asked if this was true. The monkey said that there was no opportunity to tell him what was going on. The fight just started. No, no, I asked you, where do you come from and what is your purpose? And you said, I remember this, you said, it doesn't matter where I come from and my purpose is to kill you. And then you hit me with your staff. Monkey shook his head. That sounded made up. But both the Bodhisattva and Zwanzong said that that sounded exactly like something Sun Wukong would say, and turned back to the dragon. The Bodhisattva announced that he was the monk's next companion. Yulong the dragon would aid him on his journey. Yulong shrank as he crawled up the cliff edge and stood alongside Zhuanzong. He happened over here. The monk needed a horse, huh? You you didn't over here. You ate my horse, Xuanzong noted. This horse, Yulong said, transforming into an exact copy of the horse. Wow, it looks exactly like a normal horse, Shunzong observed. At least it talks. Oh, it, it won't talk, the buddy noted. Oh, well, at least it won't be dying all the time, the monk said with a shrug. Oh, who knows about that, monkey said, tucking his staff behind his ear. Not breaking eye contact, with the horse dragon thing. Anything can happen out there on the road. And he was right. Anything could happen on the road, though the now trio had a pretty uneventful winter. They camped off the road most nights and stayed in an odd monastery or inn when they could find one. But they were beyond the empire now, in a wild, untamed land. In the spring, after a long winter out of doors, they found the welcome sight of a village And Zhuanzang gasped, a temple, but not just any temple. A temple of the Bodhisattva Guangyin, the very same one that had selected Zhuanzang and freed Wu Kong, the patron of their journey. It was the perfect place to stop off for the night, to honor the one who had sent them on the journey to the West. Hey, that's the title again, Sun Wu Kong said. Yeah, even though he had his differences with the Bodhisattva Guangyin, he said as he tapped on his hat the one that threatened to implode his head when he was bad, so whenever he was himself, he said he was tired of sleeping on the cold ground. Let's go check this place out. The monks, while inviting the traveling Tang monk, and wary of his little hairy servant, who dispensed with the name Sun Wu Kong because of its baggage, just called himself Sun Pilgrim on the road. Song and Pilgrim sat down to a meal with the monks, their first in months, and the lead monk took a seat next to them. As they talked, Zhuanzang and Pilgrim, so monkey, learned that the lead monk was 250 years old. And even in the context of an epic ancient world quest to save the world with a super monkey and a dragon horse, that gave the pair pause. Still, Zhuanzang was polite, complimenting everything about the meal, down to the table and utensils. The old abbot laughed, saying that these were trash. He had a ton of great treasures, but his visitors were from the Tang Empire. They probably had good stuff too. Let's see some of that good stuff. Zhuangzong smiled. He was just a humble monk, and the journey west was thousands of miles long, and he had already lost the same horse twice, so he packed light. Well, I mean, there's that cassock, monkey said, through a mouthful of food. The hall erupted in laughter. Monkeys swallowed what? It was a nice cassock. Put it on. Goblins melt. Demons flee. It was made by the gods. It was this guy's gift for going on this quest, but he never wore it. But the monks were still laughing. To think that a cassock was something to brag about. And if you didn't know, a cassock is like a standard monk clothing. Each of them had like 30 of them. And the old lead monk had what? 700? Xuanzong laughed. <laughs> yeah, Pilgrim, stop talking. But Monkey was undeterred. No, it was really nice. He had to brush past it several times a day to get stuff from his master's pack. Seriously, did they want to see it? They wanted to see it. Monkey would go get it so they could see it. Sun Wukong returned with the pack, digging through it, and playing out the cassock that had been given to Zhuanzong by the Bodhisattva Guanyin herself. The hall gasped. As is... Not usually the custom with clothes for monks. This cassock was a brilliant gold silk, arrayed with inset pearls. The lead monk squinted. He said he couldn't quite see it. See, he was 250 years old, and his eyesight wasn't spectacular. He needed some better light. Well, I can go grab a lantern, monkey said, really wanting to show everyone he wasn't wrong. Oh, no, 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 the monk said. It would shine too brilliantly then. Zhuanzang and Sun Wukong looked at each other. That didn't add up. Okay, in what light would the master want to see the cassock? He licked his cracked and wrinkled lips and smiled. In daylight, of course. see that things aren't quite as innocent as they seem, and they don't really seem all that innocent, but that will be right after this. He's gonna steal it. That old monk's gonna steal the cassock. I know it, Zong said, as he paced he and Sun Wukong's sleeping quarters. You should have stopped talking. Why did you have to show it off? He's not going to steal it, Sun Wukong said, reclining on his first bed in three months. He's like a monk. Monks are good guys, right? I mean, okay, he was pretty braggy and he's unnaturally old. But we're fine, right? The Bodhisattva wouldn't let that happen. What do you think, Yulong? He asked, turning to the horse that shared their bedroom. He doesn't talk. Horses don't talk, so he's Really committed to that now, I guess. Also, was it weird they made the trio sleep in the same room? In a different wing, horse and all, Zhuanzong remarked before asking, Did Monkey really think it would be fine? Wukong nodded. Of course, go to sleep. Even the monk's worry couldn't keep him awake. It was their first bed, their first room, after a long winter on the road. Minutes later, both Zhuanzong and Yulong the dragon horse were out. But... Wukong thought about it. The lead monk, he he couldn't really steal it, right? He was a monk who worshipped at the temple of the Bodhisattva that had sent them on this quest. They didn't do stuff like that. Did they? Ten minutes later, Sun Wukong was in the form of a bee, flying out of the room. He had to go see for himself. And no, the lead monk wasn't trying to steal from the trio. He was trying to kill them. You see, after the three retired to their quarters, the lead monk called all the monks underneath him together. The cassock. It was beautiful. It made him hate the 700 he already owned. He wanted to wear this one. The monks looked at each other. No big deal. They would detain Zhuanzang and his hairy, scary friend for another day on some pretense. He could wear it all day tomorrow. He shook his head. Not enough. He would still have to take it off. They looked at each other. Did they want to detain the monk for ten days so he could wear that fun, flashy new suit for a week and a half? The monk, he bit his lip. He couldn't bear the thought of taking it off. Were they following him? He wanted it to be his and didn't want to take it off ever. What was a way he could do that? One monk named Great Wisdom, snapped his fingers. He knew. He's got some knives in his room. They could grab those and just stab the three guests. Huh? The lead monk grinned. This guy. There was a reason he was named Great Wisdom. All right. Everybody, grab those knives and let's get this going. But another one, by the name of Great Plan, spoke up, saying that the monk and the horse would be easy to stab. But the hairy guy? Hmm that would be tougher. He had, wait for it, a great plan. Since the moment great plan revealed his great plan, the monks had been scouring the monastery, looking for bundles of wood, oil, and torches. Sun Wu Kong, in the form of a bee, saw the monks piling wood around the building, where Swanzong and Yulong slept, and he made like a tiny bee grimace. They were obviously trying to burn the place down with the guests inside, and he could stop this right now by turning all these guys into burger patties with his staff. Uh, But he promised to be different. Also, that hat was just terrible. So he wouldn't attack them, but... Hmm. If you play with fire... Yeah. Okay. He had a plan. After a quick backflip to heaven, where he called in a favor from an old enemy, he came back with a fireproof blanket for Xuanzong and Yulong the dragon horse, before buzzing to the top of a nearby hill. There, he found the monks setting the wood ablaze, and, oh no, it would be a shame if the wind picked up right now, the monkey king said to himself, as he summoned the wind. The monks were surprised that the building they were trying to burn down, well, yeah, it caught fire and burned down, but so did pretty much every other building on the monastery grounds. They scrambled all over the place, throwing down the oil and going for water to save what little hadn't caught. Up on the hill, Sun Wukong laughed as he summoned the wind to keep blowing, keep burning all below. The monks and the monkey weren't the only ones that noticed. Up on a nearby mountain, not 20 miles away, a bear monster saw the flames and panicked for the monks. He did the right thing, taking off in a sprint to save the beleaguered holy men. He then proceeded to do the wrong thing when, breaking down the door to the head monk's room, he discovered not the leader there needing to be rescued, but this... Wow! This very nice cassock. He then ditched the whole idea of rescuing anyone, threw the shiny shirt over his shoulder, and took off back toward his mountain. You think I did this? Sun Wukong asked indignantly. After Zhuan woke up from a restful, if a little warm, night, Zhuan asked if burning down a monastery because of a slight was something he would not do. The monkey king uh, said fair, but it wasn't something he did this time. He was good. Look, he didn't start the fire. No, he didn't light it, but actually also didn't try to fight it. The monks were trying to kill them, Zhuanzang was right, they were going to murder the three for the cassock. Zhuanzang rolled his eyes. Well, they would go speak to the lead monk and find out the truth. They found the lead monk in his quarters. His were largely untouched, and he was on the floor, weeping. Not for the many dead in the fire and for the loss of so many buildings and scriptures, but because he had been robbed of the shiny cassock that he had hoped to steal from another. When he saw Zhuanzong, he thought he was seeing a ghost, because the building the man had been sleeping in was completely consumed. He panicked, stood, lowered his head, and ran headlong into a wall, killing himself. The remaining monks of the temple were no less distraught, not helped at all by Sun Wukong flinging his staff around, bragging that he was Sun Wukong, great sage equal to heaven, give him back the cassock now, and he would only seriously hurt them. The monks said that they didn't have it. They had only tried to murder guests for their shiny clothing. They were innocent in all this. Looking by the door of the lead monk's chamber, it was probably the bear mountain monster. The monkey king cocked his head. The what now? The monks breathed. The bear mountain monster. This demon monster bear that lived 20 miles away on the mountain overlooking the monastery. Sun Wukong narrowed his eyes. All right, here's how things are gonna go. His buddy here, his best friend, was gonna be treated like a king. If he wanted breakfast, he got breakfast. If he wanted a foot rub, he got a foot rub. I, I don't want a foot rub. Zhuangzong chimed in. They needed to keep the horse fed and watered. Sun Wukong will be back. Oh, and if they tried anything with his master, he brought his staff down on the wall next to him, demolishing it. And the seven behind it, of the few walls left standing in the monastery. That was what would happen to them. Guys, you know what the day after tomorrow is? The Bear Mountain Monster said as he sipped his tea. Uh, I think I do. It's someone's birthday, the human in white sitting next to the bear said. Aw, you remembered. You guys are the best, the bear monstrosity said to his two friends, a human in white and a human in gray who aren't both Gandalf, but now I can't get that image out of my head. The bear clapped his paws together. Well, he had a surprise, a wonderful new shirt. He was so excited. His little demon servants were sending out invitations tomorrow. It was going to be so much fun, and, oh, it's getting cloudy. He hoped it didn't rain on their tea party. The man in white put his hand on Bear Monster's furry, lice-ridden shoulder. Even if it did rain, they were all still together. Bear Mountain Monster smiled. True, so true. And it didn't rain. Well, it didn't rain, rain. But it did rain Monkey's staff as he came down on the human in white with such force that it went straight through his head. As the human in white turned back to his original form, a white-spotted serpent, Monkey stood, saying that Bear Mountain Monster had stolen his master's cassock and Monkey had come to get it back. But Bear Mountain Monster was already gone. He was booking it back to his cave, delicately balancing his tea as he ran. It's my birthday and I want it, the bear monster screamed back. The Monkey King rolled his eyes. How many Lord of the Rings references can we do in an episode? Look, Sun Wukong pointed out that they were just delaying the inevitable. These massive doors of stone won't hold forever. You have to come out, and when you do, I'll be here. The bear monster wouldn't, and the Monkey King also wouldn't. Because after several hours, Sun Wukong just got tired of waiting and went back to the monastery. There, he learned that the monks had given his master no fewer than four meals before noon by the monks. So I guess breakfast, second breakfast, eleven season luncheon, and lunch. And there was more hay than horse in Yulong's stall. Zhuanzong really wanted to get back on the road. But Sun Wukong assured him that he would be back with the cassock. He had a plan. He didn't, but the next morning, one quickly presented itself in the form of a small messenger demon rushing an ornate box down the road. One colorful translation describes Wukong turning him into, quote, a meat patty with one blow from his staff, tossing the body off the road and reading the letter. He smiled. He found his way in. Not long after, there was a noise from the doors of stone. As the lead monk, the rumors of his death being greatly exaggerated, limped on inside. He said he got the, the invitation to the guy's birthday tomorrow, but he just wanted to stop by early. It was so cool how they were both secretly evil together. The bear monster said that he wasn't evil, or he was trying not to be. He was learning his way to enlightenment from the lead monk. But the monk was acting weird. Was something up? It was, of course. And the jig was officially up when someone else found the be padded remains, of the demon messenger, and the box holding the invitation to the bear monster's birthday party, just tossed on the road. The same invitation that the man had used to gain entrance to the doors of stone. When Bear Mountain Monster looked back to the lead monk, his face already warping and growing hair and pulling a staff from behind his ear, the bear monster shrieked, but got ready for a fight. For all of his tea parties and stress over the fact that they were trashing his house the day before his birthday party, the bear monster held his own against the Monkey King for hours, long enough to push Sun Wukong back out the impenetrable doors of stone. When they slammed in his face, Sun Wukong knew that he had to seek help from a higher power. He somersaulted to the South Sea. got a lot of nerve coming here after you burned down my monastery, the Bodhisattva Guangyan said to the Monkey King And he stepped down from his cloud. One of your monasteries, Wukong noted, and he didn't start the fire. No, he didn't. I, I, I heard the Billy Joel illusion earlier, the Bodhisattva interrupted. What do you need? An hour later, the Bodhisattva Wu Wukong crouched off the side of the road, watching the man in gray pass. He was carrying a platter and on it, two pills. Oh, idea, Sun Wukong said. And before the Bodhisattva could say anything, he used his super heavy staff to be Paddy another demon follower of the Bear Mountain Monster. When he looked closer, he could see that this was a gray wolf that had taken the form of a human. The platter and the pills were still intact, though, and Monkey picked up one and threw it away. Then he dove. As he dove, he transformed, and the full-sized monkey king didn't hit the tray, but a pill that was only slightly larger than the other. The bodhisattva caught on, and as the monkey transformed, so did she. In seconds, she was a perfect copy of the gray wolf demon, the master of the transcending void, as he's called. She picked up the tray. Now, it was time to get to a birthday party. I wonder what this could be, the bear mountain monster said, grinning. Why? The gray wolf monster slash Bodhisattva replied. It was a pill elixir on a tray. What's to wonder? It wasn't wrapped or anything. Here, eat it. He did. And it was a strange experience. The pill went down really easily in that it seemed to jump down his throat. He would have been suspicious if the pill didn't immediately start Kicking and expanding, the Bear mountain monster would have screamed if he could breathe, and just before he lost consciousness, his panic turned to awe as he watched the Bodhisattva take her true form. The party fled as Bear mountain monster thudded to the floor. Wukong, come out of there before you kill him, the Bodhisattva demanded. Aw, she heard, muffled from the demon's throat. I never get to have any fun anymore. As he emerged from the monster's nostril, he asked if he could just uh, kill him a little bit. I mean, this guy's little side quest ate up, like, the whole episode. The Bodhisattva said, be that as it may, he still didn't deserve to die. Apparently, no one could resist the siren song of that shiny cassock, it having corrupted a whole bunch of monks before the monster here. But this monster was something special he was on a better path he was trying to be something different sun wu kong rolled his eyes how can a bear be different how can a monkey the bodhisattva said and pulled something from her pack when the bear mountain monster woke up he felt different he looked down at his paws but they weren't paws anymore they were hands he felt for his fur but that was gone too You might have been born Bear Mountain Monster, but that is no longer your name. It's no longer what you are, he heard from the entryway to his lair. There, he saw the Bodhisattva standing in all her glory next to him. Ban horse plague, the former Bear Mountain Monster said before grabbing his lance. That deep cut cut deep, and the memory of his humiliating time in the service of heaven was too much for Sun Wukong, who grabbed his own staff. Both beings that were trying to be better, just not at this particular moment, lunged. And collapsed, gripping their heads. Are you done, children? The bodhisattva asked. The monkey king gasped, nodded, while the former bear mountain monster gripped his head. What was this thing? Monkey said that it was a hat that made you feel like your head was going to implode every time you did something bad. He'd like to say you'd get used to it, but you won't. It was the Bodhisattva's turn to give some more helpful information. She said that the hat was there to help him resist temptation. Even those who were granted positions in heaven itself sometimes chose to rebel. This was just a helpful addition while he grew into his new role, his new self. He wasn't the bare mountain monster anymore he was now the great mountain guardian god. He would live here at the behest of the Bodhisattva herself, guarding this mountain and her temple. When the monks got it together and rebuilt it, she only needed the cassock back. The great mountain guardian god found it and handed it to Sun Wukong, who snatched it. As he tucked it in his own pack, rolling his eyes at the bare mountain, the great mountain guardian god's tears of joy regarding his new position and changed self, he couldn't help but wonder, someday, at the end of all this, when he had walked his path and made everything right, could that be him? Could he ever be like that? Took you long enough, Xuanzong said taking the cassock and stuffing it into his pack. He was ready to go. These monks were super weird in how much they were doting on him. He pulled Yulong from a stall that was basically just all hay now. Oh, what happened to the bear mountain monster? Zhuanzong asked. As he climbed atop Yulong, among the ashes of the monastery. Sun Wukong was lost in thought. Oh, him? Uh, he's gone. The monk grimaced. Figures the old monkey would never change. Sun Wukong looked up to the mountain, to its new guardian, its new god, to a creature that had been like him, but was now better. The monkey felt, for the first time in a long time, that maybe he could be different. Maybe he could change. hope to at least get to Pigsy the next companion on the journey west but I really enjoyed today's story and there was so much there that I actually pared down a lot but it ended up being a whole episode luckily now that we're in the main story it'll be so much easier to pop back in for an episode or two at a time because the actual work of the journey to the west is very episodic and lends itself to this format I'm currently loving this story and I hope you are too we will be back with it soon Next week, though, we're staying in China for another week, for Mulan. And you're probably like, wait, you already did that like five years ago. Yes, but like most legends, there are multiple versions of the Mulan tale, and I've told the earliest, and probably the most simple. If you've looked into Mulan origins at all, you've probably read hints of a way more intricate, way darker tale. Well, I was able to get my hands on it. And let's just say it's not the Mulan you think you know. Next week, we're going back into the Mulan mythos for a story that I've been trying to crack for years. The creature this week is the Tealgett from Navajo folklore. The Tealgett is an extremely large deer, like a deer the size of a house, but with no head. Instead of a head, it has just too many antlers, and its chest is just a gaping maw. Filled with impossibly sharp teeth. Said to be the monster born of a human woman and a father who was just antlers, the Tealget was cast out of the village and forced to live in the wilderness. It was angry about this, and the creature that was all antlers and teeth took out its anger using antlers and teeth. The always opportunistic coyote joined up with them, and the Tealget ravaged the countryside while the coyote picked up the scraps. Big monsters attract big heroes. And the cultural hero, Nayen Nizgani, which apparently translates to Slayer of Alien Gods, which might be the best hero name, well, he found the monster sleeping in a field one day and knew that he couldn't attack it. His arrows couldn't pierce the thing's hide. And as soon as he tried, he would either be speared by the antlers or devoured by the teeth. There was no way to attack it. Until the gopher approached. And the Slayer of Alien Gods got an idea. Apparently, the tealgit, for as big as it was, didn't consider small, one-gopher fighters to be much of a threat, or it would have had a tighter defense. The gopher crawled up to the beast, chewed a little hair under the pretense of getting some for its nest, and when the creature didn't awaken, started chewing some more. It burrowed a straight shot to the creature's heart, and then the hero snuck over and climbed in. He shot an arrow made of pure chain lightning into the heart. It gets somehow more gruesome because the monster, feeling the hero crawling around inside it, tried to get the slayer of alien gods out with its antlers, as the man climbed through the myriad holes that the gopher made inside the creature for just this purpose. In the end, the tealget didn't succumb to the lightning bolt to the heart, but because he went in after the hero. I guess the gopher was hairless before this because, once the creature was dead, the gophers all took the scraps of fur and draping themselves with them would wear them for the rest of time to proudly show the role they played in killing this monster. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. And I want to say thanks again to SimpliSafe for sponsoring us this week. SimpliSafe's got everything you need to protect your home with none of the drawbacks of traditional home security. You can set it up yourself in under an hour, no technician required and there's no contract no pushy sales guys, no hidden fees no fine print and all this starts at just $15 a month Try SimpliSafe today at simplysafecom legends You get free shipping and a 60 day risk free trial. There's nothing to lose Once again, that's simplysafe.com/legends. legends Alright Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.